Welcome to Random Rambling and Rhetoric with TJ Mercer. That's my TT. And it's all powered by the Samsung Notes. Now, here's my TT. I just loves me some porta potties, said no one ever. I don't know about you, but the ickiest thing on the planet is when I am forced to use a porta potty. I try to hold my bladder until the last possible minute. And what about nasty public restrooms? Ew, public restrooms plus kids. Parents, what do you do as soon as you take them to a public bathroom? You make them hold up their hands and forbid them to touch anything. Then you get in the stall, there's no toilet paper or seat cover, you handle your business, come out, and then there's no soap or paper towels. Lord, how must it? Jesus is just not a good situation all around. Fortunately, though, fortunately, there's the restroom kit, a full bathroom solution the size of a lightweight deck of cards. A deck of cards, y'all. I keep one in my purse all the time just because it's complete with a full patented oversized toilet seat cover, enough toilet paper to cover the essentials, plus wet wipes for your tushy and your hands. The restroom kit is a don't leave home without a necessity for your road trips. You're going camping, the beach, festivals, basically any restroom that ain't yours. Even that friend of yours who's cleaning is not their strong suit. You know what I mean? So pop on over and visit therestroomkit.com. That's therestroomkit.com. And when you use the code RAMBLINGS, R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G-S, you will get 15% off your purchase. So stop going to the bathroom without the full protection you need. Go get the restroom kit at therestroomkit.com. Hey, my peeps! Hey, my peeps! Hey, my peeps! My tea lights! My tea lights! You know what I need to know? You know what I need to know? I need to know if you can see and hear me. Can you see and hear me? I need to know. Hey, Melissa. Hey, see in here. Okay, good. So that means I can get IG going and we can get started. Okay, we got IG going. Let me just make sure. Pin. All right, so hey, my peeps. It is day 19, y'all. We knocking. <laughs> my mama said good evening. Woman to watch. <laughs> so you saw my post, Ma. You saw my post. Yeah, earlier today, uh, I had a... a a meeting with a woman who wants me to speak at her conference. And I asked her how she hear about me. And she said, uh, uh, a friend of hers told her that a couple of years ago that I'm the woman to watch. I was like, yep, I'm posting that. So I'm only going to be answering to woman to watch now. Cause y'all know I collect these 
monikers and whatnot. So I am TJ Mercer. And one of my monikers is I am known as the walking exclamation point and the chief noisemaker of Media Mavericks Academy, which means I teach authors, experts, coaches, and entrepreneurs how to book themselves in the media without a publicist and without being a celebrity. I spent 25 years working uh, in Hollywood. And so my media mavericks are killing the game. Like I talked to one of them yesterday and she just blowing up. And then I talked to another one, text me today, told me she was on the number one morning show in LA. And then she just signed this huge contract because she's all over the place now. So I'm feeling myself. I'm feeling myself. However, during this season, during this season, my job is to show up here every day, like I have been doing for the last 18 days, show up every day and tell you what God says for this season that he wants to say through moi. I don't know why he chose moi. Y'all got to ask God. But I know that our anchor scripture for this season is Exodus 19 and 3. Then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell them to tell the people of Israel. And so we know my the anchor part of that scripture for us is this is what you are to say. So that's what we're doing. We saying a lot. And the job I have, the task I have is um, the, the task that I have today or for this month is to come get you out of Egypt. And that Egypt means several different things uh, for you individually and come get you and awaken the Peter in you so you can be become water walkers. And that's what we've been doing. So y'all been rocking with a sister. Uh, yes, my, I, that's why I texted you earlier. I knew that it was uncle Booga's, uh, 71st birthday, I believe. Uh, I've been thinking about him and, uh, he's one of those people that I imagine with my father who, you know, in heaven going, that's my kid. That's my niece. Yeah. Gotta love her. <laughs> so, uh, a lot of my personality does come and my storytelling skills comes from, uh, my mother's brother, my mother's only brother, who we lost a uh, year, a little over a year ago, uh, going on two years, actually, I believe. Um, his fingerprint is on me because he could hold your attention with stories and stories for days and he could just make them up off the cuff. And uh, so I'm proud to be called his niece for sure, for sure. All right. So uh, with that said, Y'all ready to eat? Are y'all ready to eat? Let me get myself situated here. And today, y'all, I went into the closet at 6.45 and I was out by 9.30. I was like, yo, I, I ain't really trusting this. You gonna change this on me? You want me to just go take a nap and then come back, right? Cause you gonna change this. This, this could not, this is the first day you didn't have me digging deep. And what he started showing me is we're now on that side of solid foundation is laid. Hi, Deborah, Yvette, Dolly, Mary, Patrice, Keita. Um, what he started showing me is that now he's getting ready to start connecting some dots. 
So the foundations have been laid. And he gave me a glimpse, another glimpse of where we're headed. And I'm noticing a pattern that I think, remember the day that I taught purpose? And last night I taught uh, the you of purpose was unbelieve what you've been taught to believe. And we dug deeper and we hooked on to that. Well, tonight, tonight we're hooking on to the S of purpose. Survive the detours and delays on the journey to your promise. And so it got me wondering, and Audrey, you are my, my, my word connector. It got me wondering, is like, is he going to spend the next seven day or the next at this point today and is a sixth day? Uh, is he going to spend that making us or allowing us or blessing us with really digging deep? So, oh, I didn't ask, does anybody have anything they want to share uh, about last night? I know last night, oh, Lord, my heart was heavy. And I know I cried for days. Like, how is that for y'all? I I was like, I don't even have it in me to pray after reading the scripture. I'm like, that that was the prayer. And what else am I add to that? Um, but I hope it blessed you. I hope it it resonated. I hope it landed for uh, those of you who needed it and um, needed to really see what God thinks of you and how, especially when I've had several people tell me. They don't imagine God and they it don't envision God delighting in them and smiling about them. And so uh, I think that was specifically for those people because they really needed to know that scripture where they can actually go to um, go to and see how God felt about them before they even had one one breath and to solidify the thought that God ain't surprised about nothing that's happening to you because all of your days have already been planned out. And um, it was just a beautiful thing. Audrey says I was completely undone, totally resonated and reminded me I am deeply, deeply loved and fully known, fully known. Like for me, I think on, on the basic human level, that's what we want as human beings to know and to be known and still be loved and still be valued. And we get that in Psalm 139, one through 18. So um, yeah, that, that thing set off like a sonic boom in my spirit. All right, so let's feast. Uh, what we got today to eat? We gonna start, we gonna eat up some Mark 5. 21 through 43. Love you too, Nietzsche. Hi, Nietzsche. Let's the chatter. You're here. Hi, my sunshine. Mark 5, 21 through 43. Jesus got into the boat again. And went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. And we talked about last night that Jairus was a big wig at the synagogue. Arrived when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently. So Jairus was feeling it. And like when I was listening to Pastor Furtick talk about it, he was talking about the fact that this was the head honcho. 
And there's certain positions that we have, the highest of the position you have don't make no difference when someone you love is in danger. And your title don't mean jack when someone you love is hurting or is in danger or is an ill. In this case, uh, he fell at his feet pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. So his daughter is dying. So he ain't really stepping to Jesus as a, as a, as a head honcho. He's stepping to Jesus as a desperate father. Don't get it twisted. He's coming to Jesus as 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 a last resort. He'd heard about the man. And so he maybe perhaps seen him teaching in the synagogue. So he's coming to him. Bump all of these strikes. Bump all of these badges. Bump all of this power. I am at your mercy, God, because my daughter. I got all of these people at my command and none of them can help me where I need it the most, my daughter, who I love and would wish I could trade places with, is dying. So please come and lay hands on her, heal her so she can live. 24, Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. And a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. If you've missed previous days, we covered this in detail yesterday, this aspect. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years. I don't know why I'm so thirsty. I drink a gallon of water a day, so I don't know why I'm so thirsty. Hold on. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything. She spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse, Jamila. She had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe, lipstick chatter. She touched his robe for she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And immediately, Patrice, the bleeding stopped and she could feel you know how you can feel when you, you've had that presence with Jesus. You can feel you're not the same. You can feel you're different. So she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that the healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, Stephanie, his disciples said to him, Look at this crowd pressing around you. Jesus, they're everywhere. Folks for days. How you gonna ask who touched me? But he kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman trembling all at the realization that what had happened to her came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. She told him everything she'd done. I imagine she just laid the story out. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. And so what we covered yesterday is we knew the name of the big wig that showed up, but all we knew about this woman was she had the issue of blood. That's it. She was nameless. And then what aspect that he showed me last night as I was laying in bed is that 
in order to be fully, completely healed, she had to actually say what was going on. She had to own up and face the truth of what she had done and what she had been facing. There are things in our lives that we want healed, but we don't want to face up to it. We don't want to look in the mirror. We don't, we don't want to actually look at the ugly in ourselves. And I'm not saying she was ugly because this was a genetics thing from what I understand. This was a genetic. So she had no control over, but still in this time, when you can't stop bleeding, come on now. Nobody wanted to be around her. She was always sickly. People were crazy. They probably thought it was something contagious. So she, she, she had just resigned herself that this is how she's going to live. But she had to face it. She couldn't just sneak and get Jesus power. But what she didn't know, why she was being terrified of telling her whole story, of, of owning up to what was going on and for her facing herself. What she didn't know is that Jesus was coming to rename her. So she went from woman with the issue of blood to daughter. And Pastor Furtick, I haven't verified this, but Pastor Furtick said this is the only time in scripture that Jesus ever calls anybody his daughter. And so why she just thought she was going to go away completely healed, she actually went away free. Because she owned up and she had to tell her story. And so telling your story frees you. I didn't even see that. I, I, this is not the road I intended to take right now, but just go with it. Telling your story frees you. And I'm a big believer that I'm going to tell my story. I'm going to control my narrative before I let anybody else control it first. Because I was there. Hey, my Unitha, I was there. So I'm going to tell my secrets because you can't do nothing if I, I already said, what you going to talk about me for? That's what I said. Oh, you repeat old news. You repeat what I already told y'all. This ain't nothing new. So I'm free from everything that y'all heard me cover. It's somewhere in one of my books. So can't nobody say, oh, you know that TJ? Yeah, I know that TJ because she said it. She put it out there. Everybody know that about her. So you can't hold me bondage to my story no more because I've told it all. And I definitely walk around with, you know what? <laughs> At least I'm bold enough to tell my stuff. You still got yours swept under the corner. I ain't losing sleep at night over my story. I lose some sleep over something else. But I ain't losing sleep over the secrets I buried. Because at one point, Jesus healed me and just said, daughter. So I'm no longer defined by all the stuff that I've done and what I've been through. I'm simply known as daughter. Yvette, you're, you're simply known as daughter. Mom. You're simply known as daughter. Dolly, daughter. Tish, daughter. That's it. 
wasn't intending on going that route. That 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 wasn't the point of where I was headed to tonight. But hey, there you go. Take that. Now, all this is going on. All this is going on. And we're still stuck with Jairus, the father, the head honcho, who in this moment, all he is, is the father that's fervently, desperately looking for his daughter to be healed. That's it. So can you imagine? It was cold. I'm sure because he wasn't aware because they were making him making his their way to his daughter. So he wasn't even aware that Jesus had unintentionally healed somebody. So he's standing there, they just moving. And then Jesus got the nerve to stop and do the impossible and find out amongst all these people who touched me. Jesus, does that really matter? My daughter dying. Does it really matter if they got what they need? Why well, you got to know? You, are you going to take the power back? What's up? We got to keep moving. He hit a delay. Jesus had taken a detour. He'd gotten Jesus's promise that he was on his way to heal the daughter. And all of a sudden, it just stops. There's a, there's a detour that ain't got nothing to do with getting his healing for his daughter. Can you just put yourself in that situation, how antsy you would be? It's got me rocking, just imagining like, Lord, can you come on? Can you come on? It, she don't. And then the lady's story is going on and on and on and on and on. And she just couldn't have given the abridged version. Don't she see they got to go somewhere? And so this is a delay. And my daughter is dying. Is this really important? Do you really have to know the whole details? When you just said, you're going to heal my daughter. So imagine that's the frame of mind. Wouldn't that be you if you were the parent? You just got me okay. That help is on the way. And then all of a sudden, we got to stop and deal with somebody who don't even want to be known. And I'm, I'm sure Jesus was like, who touched me? No, I know somebody here who touched me. And Jairus is like, yo, does it really? We got to go, Jesus. Thirty-five. While he was still speaking to her, message. So he's speaking to the daughter, while somebody else's daughter is dying. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. We have to really know. We got to reestablish he's the leader of the synagogue. So anytime God repeats something, I'm paying attention to that. He had already told us he's the leader of synagogue, but now he's coming back like there's a there's an accent, and I didn't, I didn't see this earlier. There's an accent on in this story of like, so Jesus took time for a woman who was nameless, who was lowly, and chose her over this big wig. So I I just need to remind y'all that this was the big wig. And they told him, your daughter is dead. It's over. 
there's no use troubling the teacher now. Can you imagine all the conflict and emotions that had to have gone through Jairus at the time? Put yourself in his position. He's processing the news he just got that he didn't want to hear. To have Jesus not detoured and delayed for some nameless woman, he could have had his daughter. So I'm wondering if there was an anger and a rage that he wanted to take Jesus's head off because Jesus had the answer and had decided that he was going to delay. And then he's trying to balance his emotions. And then I'm wondering if, if, you know, men in that position, they're very controlled. And, and so he's trying to manage all of this at the same time. 36 says, but Jesus overheard them. And he said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. So Jesus came back with the promise again. I know it seems like I delayed. I know it seemed like I detoured, but I'm going to reiterate the promise to you. Just have faith. I'm, I'm coming. And I imagine if it's that one of those situations that we watch God do it for everybody else and don't think that God would do it for us. We, we watch God handle it for everybody else and come through for everybody else. And it seems to be taking so long and the delay is longer than I thought. And then we're gone on out the direction. We thought we were going to have a straight shot to the promise. And God was like, no, uh -uh. you got to go down and you got to go up and then you got to go left. You got to go right. And, and you're wondering, like, did I really hear the promise? Did I hear correctly? And if you like me, I'm like, yo, just just tell me you ain't going to do it. Don't keep dangling me along. Just tell me you ain't going to do it, God. And let me deal with that. Let me just heal that. Thirty seven. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let go. Wouldn't let anyone go with him except who we seeing? Peter, James, John. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw so much, so, so much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? I told y'all I was coming. The child isn't dead. Like Jesus is like, you know, sometimes I think Jesus forget that we are uh, like not used to him being Jesus. <laughs> like the way he says stuff is like, what y'all crying about all of this extra stuff that y'all doing? I told y'all the child ain't dead. She only asleep, like, duh. The crowd laughed at him. <laughs> they didn't know who Jesus was, but he made them all leave. Okay, you don't believe me? So you can't even witness this. You don't want to have the faith? You, you can't be here. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha Kum, which means, little girl, 
get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. And Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them, give her something to eat. She's hungry. Being dead takes a lot of energy. Jairus had a detour and a delay, but Jesus still came through with the promise. As he always does. Let's go to Luke 10, 38 through 42. As Jesus and the disciples continue on their way, and, and the, the approach tonight is still with Peter. Let me lay that foundation. Where God is taking us with Peter what I'm doing now and maybe doing for the next few days as God is plotting this out is that this is more about the things that Peter got to witness, the things that he saw, the things that were his training ground that he was going to need later. So you see with Jairus, Peter was there. It, uh, I forget which version that said, Peter was the one who asked Jesus, how you gonna ask all these people around? How you gonna ask who touched you? I think it was Luke that said it was Peter. Duh, we know that that's what Peter would do. And then when they get to witness the raising of the dead, it's Peter, James, and John. So Peter is right there intimately. And in my mind, that, that's intentional from Jesus because he knows Jesus, that Peter is supposed to build the rock of his church. So he's got a grown Peter. So he's letting Peter have a, a front row seat to what he's doing. He's letting Peter shadow him intimately. He's mentoring Peter, Unitha. He's letting Peter see firsthand what is coming for him. So when we're going through these, no, Peter is not the star and not the focus. Peter is, our, we're looking at Peter's growth and what Peter got to see. So I want you to pay attention to everything that Peter is, is, is having an up close and personal moment with. 38, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. So Mary was like, yo, Jesus is in my house. I'm going to soak. I, I'm getting everything he got to give. I'm going to hang on every word. I don't want to miss nothing. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem to unfair to you? Like snitching, like really snitching on the sister. Doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. So Martha is more concerned about presentation and not realizing the magnitude 
of who's in her presence. And it is not really dawning her, dawning on her that she got time with the Messiah. The Messiah is staying at her house. So for me, it would have been like, okay, so Jesus, I don't want to miss nothing. So I'm just going to order some pizza. My favorite pizza is Domino's. What you want on your pizza? Because I don't want to be in the kitchen cooking and cleaning while you here. So if it's all right for you, unless you tell me that you want this big old home cooked meal, you want you some, you want you some black eyed peas and some roast and some candied yams and some cabbage and some hot water cornbread, you know, cause that's, that's all my favorite foods that my mama make for me with some, some deviled eggs and whatnot. So unless you tell me that you really, really want that, we gon' we gon' we gon' order the pizza. That's, that's what we doing. Cause I don't, I don't, yes, Yvette, we gon' we gon' order Uber Eats. That's what we're doing. 41. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken away from her. Shoot over to John 11. 1 through 44. Here we go. So a man named Lazarus was sick. Lazarus was Jesus's boy. And I believe Lazarus name means God helps. If I remember correctly, he lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. So we back to the two sisters. So we know those were Jesus's friends. Like he would like camp out. That's like my girl, Nikki. She already knows she's staying with me whenever she in Atlanta. Like y'all got those friends like, if you own business and you know you got to stay in Dallas all the time, you know where you're going to land. That, that's what Mary and Martha and Lazarus was to Jesus. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. And I love the way it says, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. It didn't say Lord Lazarus. It was like, no, we know Jesus is busy. He got a lot going on. So I just need to remind him who Lazarus is to him. He, he's your dear friend and he's sick. So I automatically know we're in a different category because you sleep at my house. We play spades and dominoes together. We eat pizza. And we Netflix and whatnot. You remember that time that uh, uh, Mary and Martha ran, we, me and Mary ran a Boston on you and, and Lazarus, that spade talk. What ran a Boston on you and Lazarus that like, yo, that, you know, that's your friend. But when Jesus heard about it, we know some some up when the sentence starts with but. But so we go from Lord, your dear friend is very sick to yeah, but <laughs> when Jesus heard about it, he said Lazarus sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God. So the son of God will receive glory from this. 
So although that we saw that yesterday, so although <laughs> and we chuckled like, although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, although like yeah, he let y'all, but he stayed where he was for the next two days. Like Jesus didn't even budge. So unbothered, his dear friend is dying. Lipstick chatter. You need the his. His dear friend is dying. And he didn't budge for two whole days. And he wasn't far. Seven. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Okay, dude, what is up with you? Are you going there again? Like, are you crazy? They just tried, they just told you they want to kill you. Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend, and right there, he calls him his friend again. I almost said something because you know when black people speak, we <laughs> we we embrace a word that's a term of endearment when we use it. So my mind almost said it, but y'all just go there with me. That's his blank. My blank Lazarus just has fallen asleep. But now I'll go and wake like wake him like he's so unbothered by this. The disciple says, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will soon get better. So ain't no need of going back to a place that you say they're going to kill him. They, they want to kill you. Yeah, lipstick, you need the demo. Y'all picking it up. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he clear. Lazarus is dead, dead. He clear. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Once again, Peter is having a first front row seat at what's going on. And we talked about yesterday, Thomas nicknamed the twin said to his fellow disciples, let's go too. And die with Jesus. And I said, I ain't trying to ride with you and die. I'm trying to ride and rise with you. So don't be calling me to go back to some place where they're going to kill you. And, and your last name ain't Mercer. I'm just going to be like, mm -mm, I pray for you over here. Uh, 17, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. <laughs> like, he let it be dead, dead, y'all. Like, in, those, in that culture, they feel like the first couple of days, the spirit is there and there's hope. But Jesus let Lazarus be his friend, his ninja. He let him be dead, dead. Bethany was only a few miles down the road. That to make matters worse, you ain't even, you weren't even far, Jesus. And many of the people had come to console Mary and Martha in their loss. And when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, oh, this is the same Martha. Come on, this is the same Martha who was upset. 
that Mary was just sitting and doing nothing. When Martha got the word that Jesus was coming, she went to me. She, I, I ain't even going to let you come to me. I'm coming to you. But Mary stayed in the house and Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been there, my brother would not have died. Now, here's what I hear in that. Ninja, you sleep at our house. You eat our food. We ain't never ask you to do nothing. I have heard, watched, witnessed. You turn water into wine. You healed somebody's son. You and driven out evil spirits. You and healed Peter, your boy mother-in-law. He sit at my table too. Peter, you couldn't tell him to get his butt to his boy? This boy was dying. Y'all know how much Lazarus means to us. You and I've watched you heal the sick and you and talk cause people to walk. You and raise other people from the dead. You raised the widow's son. You didn't even know this woman and you just passing by and you raised her son. Then you just raised the daughter from somebody else you don't even know and you can't come and raise your boy. Come on now. Y'all know that is how she may not have said it. She may not have said it, but I'm sure she was thinking it because y'all would be thinking it too. After all I've done for you and you call Lazarus your boy and you let him just die. It took you four days to get here and you right down the street. You two miles down the street. How you going to let it be four days, Jesus? Y'all know that, that had, maybe it's just me. Because I would have been asking those questions. Like, how you, you called it your boy. And we sent for you. You unfed 5,000 people. Twice. And yet, you didn't come for your boy? Where they do that at, Jesus? I washed your dirty drawers. I made you feel like a king in my house. I ain't never asked you to do nothing. I, I rejected you want to pay me to stay here. And the one time that I really, really needed you, the one thing that I asked you for, you delayed. You took a detour. I'm watching people get married three and four times. And, and I'm just trying to get married once. You, you, don't, you did it for everybody else. I'm watching people in sin just pump out children. Eight, nine, ten children. And I had seven miscarriages. And I've been rolling with you for a long time. I'm watching people who don't even tithe, Jesus, having dream jobs. And I'm living off of unemployment, barely making ends meet. How you gonna do me that way? I've been, I've been rolling with you for so long. And it's the one thing, that's the only thing I've really been asking you for. I ain't even trying to be bothering you. 
But I got to sit here and watch people who not even marry pump out kids like it's a factory. And me and my husband been trying for 10 years. And my womb won't even hold the baby. And all I've asked you is to heal my womb. For one child. I ain't even greedy. I'm just asking for one, Jesus. I've been in the trenches trying to get my business off the ground and I'm watching stupid videos from influencers on TikTok and they just blowing up with millions of followers with endorsements and everything. And I'm just trying to actually make payroll. And I've been rocking with you. And you got the nerve to delay from the one thing I ask of you? 22, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. I like the way Martha flipped it. Like these are my feelings, Jesus. And I'm gonna I'm let you know these are my feelings. I ain't gonna run from what I'm feeling. But there's still that, that ounce of little bit of faith that if you ask God still, I know if this thing looks dead, it ain't coming up. I know it, but I'm holding on to the Jesus. I know who you, who you can be. I saw you, I know about you healing and waking up the widow's son. And then I just heard about you, you healing, uh, waking up Jairus's daughter. So there's that 0.1 ounce of hope left in me that I still recognize that you, you still are God's son and he will do what you ask him to do. I asked, he, he didn't answer me, but I know he'll answer you. So I know what you capable of. So I'm gonna hold on to that. 23, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. And because I'm I'm so in grief that I don't even want to hope, I'm gonna miss, I'm gonna miss what you really said. So my response is, yes, Martha said he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Because I, I'm too even scared at this point. This is too far gone for me to believe that you can do this. So I won't even let my mind go there, Jesus, because I've been I was praying for this for so long. That's my brother. And so I just didn't believe it. And so I'm just going to miss what you said. And I'm, I'm going to translate it and go to the holy place and, and try to speak those things that that I ain't really feeling. But I'm trying to I'm trying to respect who you are. I, I ain't really believing it. So I'm just going to go biblical. Because it it scares me and it, it hurts to to try to have that hope. That this time you, you still going to do it for me. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? And think about it, this is, this is still, she's, she's grieving and she's, 
angry because she knows Jesus could have done something about it. And she's, yes, Lord, she told him. The one thing I've always believed is you are the Messiah, the son of God, the one who has come into the world my, from God. So that's why I, I just thought you love your brother enough to come intervene. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So immediately Mary went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. And when the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. And when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet. Mary's dealing with the same thing. Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. And I'm sure she's dealing with the same thing. Like, Jesus, I hung on to your every words. I, I listened to you tell me about all the other miracles you have performed. I sat at your feet. And this one thing, this is the only thing we've ever asked of you and you didn't deliver. And so when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within in him. And he was deeply troubled. And, and I'm wondering, is has he just gotten sick of listening? Because you know Jesus be knowing folks' thoughts and the people are th having thoughts. Well, I thought he was Jesus. I thought he was he 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 loved him some Lazarus. He ain't the real deal. And this once again, we get to see Jesus' humanity. We get to see him experience an emotion. It, it says not just an anger, a deep anger, like. Do they all this time they've been spending with me? Do they really think? Haven't you had that experience with someone who didn't give you the benefit of the doubt and they your girl, they your boy. And it's like, yo, how could you think that about me? How you going to take somebody else's word over me? That would be like somebody telling my mother. Okay, that was a bad example. I was going to say, telling my mother I stole from them. Okay, we'll go with that because y'all know I steal from my mom. So, but that would be like coming and somebody's coming and telling my mother, Tej was in my house and she she stole a vase. And my mother would have been like, uh, yeah, okay, that's my kid. No! My mother would be like, no, she's still from me, but she don't, she ain't no thief in everybody else. She my thief. She may be a thief, but she mine. She, she gonna always steal from me. That's a given. But she ain't going to nobody else's house. And, and, and then I'm finding out, and this is like, mom, how could you, how could you think that I would steal from somebody else? I already, I laid my track record. I only steal from you. So a deep anger welled up within him because they ain't believing him. And then it says he was deeply troubled. Like, yo, these are people who I don't even come this way without. Sometimes I don't even have to come this way and, and I miss them. So I stopped by their house to see them. Do they know how many people want time with me and yet I stay with them? Where have you put them? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. So let's put a pin there. 
every time I've heard that scripture explained by itself, it's like Jesus wept like he was crying because he was hurt. And that just in context, y'all, that just does not make sense to me. Why would Jesus be weeping over being hurt? He knew he was going to raise Lazarus. But the people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved them, but comes but some said the man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have helped Lazarus from dying? So we know that that's what they were thinking. I So then pick up 38. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. So for me, I could be wrong. Jesus ain't weeping because he hurt. Jesus is weeping because he ticked off. It's sandwiched in between. The, 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 the verse is sandwiched in between. He has deep anger welled up within him. Jesus wept. Jesus was still angry. Haven't y'all had situations where you're so ticked off, you're crying? It's like, no, no, y'all need to be scared, not concerned about Jesus because uh, he mad and he big, big mad. And y'all not believing him and thinking he was going to leave his boy like that. I said I'm right. I'm just saying it has never made sense to me. Yeah, Audrey is like them hot tears. Yes, it has never made sense to me that Jesus was crying. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus, so he couldn't be crying over Lazarus being dead. He came to raise him. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across his entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told him. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord... Yo, you know, it's going to stink up in there. He has been dead for four days. Your fault. I ain't say that. G. I, I didn't mean to say that. Uh, I was thinking it. I, I didn't realize it came out my mouth. But he's been dead for four days. Your fault. Uh, okay, so I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm just the grief talking. It's the grief. So the smell will be horrible. 40. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you? See, see, that's what I'm thinking. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus was mad. <laughs> didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing around me because they, they need to see. Peter needs to see an example of what this looks like of communing with the father. I got disciples watching and they, they need to see as much as I depend on you and you hear me, they need to see for themselves that you hear, you hear them. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that, so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, my ninja. It's your boy. Come on out. And then they didn't say Lazarus. They just made it clear. The dead man. <laughs> John was like, he didn't call him Lazarus. He called him the dead man. Let's, let's be clear. We talking about a dead man. Came out. His hands and feet bound in grave clothes his face wrapped in head cloth. He was dead, dead. Jesus told them, unwrap him 
and let him go. So Mary and Martha and even Lazarus, Lazarus missed out on, that's the other thing I thought, like Lazarus missed out on four days of his life. I wonder what he was thinking when he came out. Like the last thing I remember, I was laying in Martha's bed and she was feeding me some chicken noodle soup. What day is it? That was four days ago. What am I doing in these grave clothes? Where am I? Where I been? And why smell like this? Mary and Martha experienced a delay and a detour while they were waiting on the promise that they knew Jesus was capable of. He was fully capable of it. Lazarus didn't know that he was when he and Jesus were getting a butt beat in spades by Mary and Martha, that eventually he was going to be an example of just how dope Jesus is. Like y'all can run a Boston, but uh, y'all can run a Boston on us. But uh, can you raise somebody from the dead? <laughs> Celebrate now. the agony that they felt in that detour and that delay. Pop over to 12. I, 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 y'all gotta see this before we wrap this up. Cause I was just like, yo, there's a whole, this whole thing by itself is a whole lesson in itself, but we just going to touch on it. John 12, nine through 11. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too, for it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. So they wanted to kill Lazarus and Lazarus didn't have nothing to do with this thing. Lazarus was guilty of dying. He didn't have no control over that. And he wanted to kill him too, some people. Just by association of who you align yourself with, they're going to come after you. And you ain't got nothing to do with them. But they're coming for you. They wanted to kill. He had already been raised from the dead. And yet they still, they want to kill him again. For what? Something he had nothing to do with he didn't ask Jesus to come raise him so just by who you are assigned to there could come a day that just because you have identified yourself as a tea light that folks gonna come for you because they can't handle all of this fabulosity that God has put in me because I'm a woman to watch <laughs> and you fabulous just by rocking with me and you a woman to watch they're gonna be big mad at you for nothing other than you existing that's it 
That's all they're going to be mad at you for. And you ain't got nothing to do with it. So, who wants to know the seven ways to survive detours and delays of your promise? Seven ways. Delmar said, let them be big mad. Let them be big mad. <laughs> All right. Seven ways to survive detours and delays of your promise. S. Secure your harness to the rope of God's promise. You got to be hooked in. You got to know that you know that that's what he said, because the image that comes to mind is you're rock climbing. And, you know, if you don't have that harness hooked to your rope and that rope isn't anchored. If you slip and fall, the only thing that's going to be holding you is that rope. So your rope on these detours, you got to have your harness hooked to God. Because that thing going to swing you back and forth. You're going to be banging yourself into the rock. That's you questioning. Did I really hear? You got to be secure in knowing what your promise is. You. Unleash your most powerful weapon, which is prayer. I cannot tell you how much I thought I used to pray before. But since top of July, my prayer game has totally changed because I recognize that's my most powerful weapon, especially when I go in the spirit. The game changes. When I go in with God, that is. That's your most powerful weapon. So you got to unleash it if you're going to survive this. Because Satan ain't going to make it easy for you to get to your promise because your promise is connected to other people. And so if he can take you out, that means he can take other people out. So you've got to release the weapon of prayer. And communing with God. Our Release the worry of how God will fulfill the promise. Your job is to just follow the plan. When you have used your, unleashed your powerful weapon, God will navigate you through this. Don't you worry about the how. Your promise sometimes going to take 30 years to come to pass. Just follow the plan. But you got to release the worry of it all. V. Visualize and affirm the promise daily. Habakkuk 3 talks about writing the vision and making it plain. But spend some time, 30 seconds, a minute, 
just visualizing what life is like when the promise has come to pass. Like keep that thing in the forefront. There are instructions that I have written on my bathroom mirror and there I have waterproof notes that hang up in my shower so that my eyes are constantly watching for the promise. I insist on no compromise for anything less than God's best. You got to be relentless with that. Like, nope, that's beneath what God wants for me. I ain't settling for that. He promised me this. I'm waiting for this. I insist on waiting for this. I don't want anything beneath this because this is what he showed me. V. Voice your frustration and fears to God. He can handle it. He can handle it. He know where it's coming from. And the beauty of having Jesus be in his humanity, we get to see that his emotions that he's had are just like ours. Take them to God and be real with it. And Martha showed us, like she communicated, if you had been here, but God, I know, Jesus, I know God listens to you. So you're gonna, you're gonna work this out. But right now I'm hurting, I'm frustrated. I feel like I'm on my last leg and I want this. I want it to come to pass. So can you come deal with this? E. Extrapolate the lessons along the way. As I said, some of your promises are going to take decades to come to pass. Don't miss the lessons. Don't, don't miss the lessons that God is having you do or having you learn along the way as he is bringing you to your promise because those are crucial too. Because to maintain the promise, you're going to need those lessons. So make sure you slow down long enough and Sit with it long enough where you can feel, okay, God, what are you showing me in this? What do you want me to see? What do you want me to learn? Because I, I, I ain't trying to take this test more than I have to. I want to pass this test so I can go ahead and move to the next level. But I respect that it's going to take as long as it takes, as long as you are ordained, because you can't be manipulated. So it is going to take as long as it takes. And so... Just make sure that I extrapolate the lessons as I'm waiting well. So to survive your delays and detours, secure the harness, secure your harness to the rope of God's promise, unleash your most powerful weapon, prayer, Release the worry of how God will fulfill the promise. You just follow the plan. Visualize and affirm 
your promise daily. Insist on no compromises for anything less than God's best. And V, voice your frustration and fears to God. He can't handle it. He knows it's coming from your humane place. And E, extrapolate the lessons along the way. That's how you're going to hold on and survive the journey to get to your promise. That's my heart for today. Delmar, was it helpful? Melissa, was it helpful? Nejus, was it helpful? Dana, Patrice, Terrell, Kita. You good? You good, Lipstick Chatter? You good, Deborah? Delmar says, God must have listened in on my convo today because Survive taps right into it. Yes, I love when that happens. Audrey says, ooh, I got the itis again. Hey, Camille. This was great. Thank you. Patrice says she full. Okay, good. So y'all got enough. Y'all got enough to eat for tonight. All right, Lord God, we thank you. Man, this has been one crazy ride, God. Just crazy. I don't really have much to say tonight except just thank you. I'm, I'm coming from a place of pure gratitude. Because you're just so dope. So my prayer is that this word just lands how it's supposed to with whom it's supposed to land. That it finds its way to the right person because the tea lights are sharing it. And that you just make it do what it do. And I'll be back here tomorrow to let you do what you do through me. In Jesus name. Amen. All right, my peeps. Lipstick chatter says my toes hurt, but I'm good. <laughs> They'll heal, lipstick chatter. They'll heal. Hey, Renee. That's my bingo squad, Renee. Lynn says, thank you. It took me out. <laughs> Y'all's comments always crack me up. Um, all right, so let's count it down. Let's count it down. 10, nine, eight. Lipstick Chatter says, the word was for me, God, and I thank you for the messenger. I love you, Lipstick Chatter. You've been walk walking with me for a long time. Seven, six, five, four, Stephanie says, you know, this is another book, right? <laughs> yeah, Camille, we just prayed. It was quick, though. We just prayed. Camille, did you blink? What happened? Or wait, did you had an itis and you dozed off from the feast we just had? <laughs> um, Camille is asking, wait, did we pray? Yes. <laughs> uh, what was I, four? 
See y'all manana for day two, day two, Lord Jesus, for day 20, day 20. All right, see y'all tomorrow. Bye. Well, that's it. Hopefully you enjoy what my TT shared with you. And like she always says, let's go out and make God smile. And don't forget to hug somebody. It's T2 Mercer signing off now. See y'all later.